God establishes that his presence is sacred, sacred and holy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery. As we explore the Bible, the 66 books written by the 40 authors over 1,500 years, it, all with the same theme, it is fascinating. We're looking at Leviticus chapter 16, about three minutes time. It is going to be good, so be ready for that. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? All right, I'm taking a look at some of the strange laws from Leviticus 15. Ryan? Today, my segment documents the tragic deaths of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. They didn't take God's instruction seriously, and it cost them their lives. It did because they were really misunderstanding the truth about the holiness of God. Very interesting. All right, Janice? Today, God is holy. So take out your Bible guide and let's turn to Leviticus chapter 16 and listen to what God says. If you don't have a Bible guide, I would encourage you to stay there. We'll show you how you can get one. Leviticus 16, 1 through 10. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. You know, the five books of Moses are very interesting as we begin to wrap our minds around this idea. Uh, the idea of God's holiness, the idea of God's sacredness. You know, Aaron and Moses had to redefine their understanding of sacred. In their time, as it is today, there were people who practiced other religions. Idols were worshipped and upheld as sacred and divine, coming from Egypt and Midian. 
Now, Aaron and Moses would have been very familiar with that idea. At least some of these pagan systems were evident. The presence of the true God, however, was to be treated differently than the idols of the nations. God's presence was so holy that one could physically die if they entered God's presence. I'm prepared. To enter God's presence, Aaron had to learn the proper way to prepare himself and his body and how to separate himself as being holy to God. Now, there were very specific requirements that Aaron and all of the high priest after him had to follow. They learned that God alone is truly sacred. For them, worshiping God was systematic, systematic and required following an exact instruction pattern. The reason is that God is holy and he had a plan for redemption for the world. He was, in fact, preparing his people to continue and make a way towards that redemption of the world. Absolutely fascinating. Now, today, as we focus on this, I want you to get your Bible guide out. If you don't have your Bible guide, why not? We can send it to you. If you call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, write to us or go there and you can get a hold of it. And I want to say thank you so much for your donations. I mean, we have had people who have truly donated and we thank you for it. We are here to, you know, we're not here to build personalities or build big momentums on anything. We are here to read the word of God, to read the Bible. As we believe, the 66 books are the word of God. So as we do that today, we look at Leviticus 16. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray today, and I use that name, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Help us to hear you today and help our attitudes and our minds to focus on what you're saying in the realm of holiness and sacredness, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now take a look at Leviticus chapter 16. It is very interesting. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come as just at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Now that brings me to the first point to think through. God established that his presence is holy. Today, God's presence is still holy. Remember that the Lord is the same yesterday as he is today as he is in the future. The only thing that's changed is God has made provision for us in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. So God is still holy. He is still unbelievably perfect. We can't understand that because we are not. But God is holy, beloved. And when we understand that, we begin to realize that Jesus Christ has done a lot to make us available to the Holy Spirit of God. That becomes important. We go on to the next passage, which is Leviticus chapter 3, or chapter 16, verse 3. And here is what it says. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull. Listen to this now. As a sin offering, 
and of a ram as burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body, and he shall be girded with a linen sash, and with a linen turban he shall be attired. Thus holy garments, these are the holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of goats as a sin offering, one ram as a burnt offering. Now what's going on here? Aaron had to prepare himself for the presence of God. Keep that in mind. He had to prepare himself for that. Christ has made provision for us. He is our sacrifice and our righteous clothing. I want to tell you, many times people don't understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. When Jesus Christ came and lived among us and lived the perfect life, he fulfilled the requirements of God's commandments. And he said, Come to me because in John 14, no man comes to the Father, the God the Father, except through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what we wear before God. This is what Jesus Christ did for us. And it is absolutely outstanding. So we see this here in Leviticus. Now let's go on because this gets even more interesting as we go to chapter 16, verse 6. It says, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Fascinating offering. Let me tell you something. God had specific standards God has made the perfect sacrifice for us. Now we choose to give him all that we are in return. All that we are. I want you to think that through. Have you given all that you are to Jesus Christ? Remember the two goats that would come? One was a lot fell on one, it cast lots, one fell, and he was sacrificed as an offering. But the other lot chose this goat and this goat, the sins of Israel were put on him and he roamed in the desert, set free. Now that's stunning and surprising, a very different kind of offering than ever has been given before. God is telling us that Jesus Christ has paid the cost of our sin, that we are able to go out and to tell others about Jesus Christ and what he's done. Very, very important. So beloved today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to say that's the best thing ever. If you're not, I want to invite you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and pray and say, Lord, I, I need you. Help me today. This is very important. Come into my heart, come into my life and be the Lord of my life because Lord, I don't have anything that can be done or has been done for my sin except you died on the cross and you rose again in the flesh and you went to heaven. 
Be the Lord of my life today in Jesus' name. All right, so today we read Leviticus chapters 15 through 17, and chapter 16 opens with a reminder and a warning of what happened to Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, back in Leviticus chapter 10, when God struck them down. And so my segment is sort of a review of what happened. And in a nutshell, these two guys committed a fatal offense against God, the Holy One of Israel, in that they offered what the Bible calls profane fire before the Lord. But what exactly does it mean to offer profane fire? What was it exactly that got them killed? Well, these are some of the burning questions that we attempt to answer today. Leviticus chapter 10 records the tragic death of Aaron's two oldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, who each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. While there is no question in this passage regarding their cause of death, questions do arise regarding the exact cause for death. Actually, there were multiple infractions committed against the Lord here. First of all, as the Jamieson Fawcett Brown commentary points out, this incense service never was Nadab and Abihu's duty to begin with. This was a responsibility given first to Moses and then to the newly appointed high priest Aaron. Nevertheless, they entered in unauthorized and proceeded to offer up a fire which is described in Hebrew as profane, strange, different, or foreign. Nadab and Abihu apparently used coals of fire that were not taken from the brazen altar, as had been clearly prescribed by God earlier. This strange fire violated God's word and would have set a disastrous precedent. This act also most likely involved the entering into, or trying to enter, the most holy place. Because the prohibition of strong drink comes right after the deaths of Nadab and Abihu, many believe that these men were under the influence. Whatever the case, the sin of Nadab and Abihu consisted not only of their venturing in unauthorized to perform the incense service, which was the highest and most solemn of the priestly offices, and not only in their engaging together in a work which was the duty only of one, but in their presuming to intrude into the Holy of Holies, to which access was denied to all but the high priest alone. In this respect, they offered strange fire before the Lord. They were guilty of a presumptuous and unwarranted intrusion into a sacred office which did not belong to them. For the offering up of impure fire, the all-consuming and holy fire from the most holy place went out from the Lord and devoured them, though it appears that neither their bodies nor robes were consumed. God is a holy God and will never allow his holiness to be violated, not even by members of the high priest's family. Uh, 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 
So this is a pretty scary incident, which is very similar to what happened with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And I do recommend that you read that New Testament passage on your own. But the point that I want to make here is that God is not to blame for Nadab and Abihu's deaths. God clearly laid out his expectations, and they chose not to obey. As my grandfather wrote, God always gives us ample information about his expectations of us. Nadab and Abihu were well informed. And most sin is done deliberately, not out of ignorance. Nadab and Abihu did what they wanted, not what God commanded. So let's not make the same mistake that they did. You know, it's important to remember that everybody blames God. And that's the idea. We're going to blame God. How come he allows this? How come mm -hmm. he allows that? How come he killed the people and they position God this way? But we have to remember that God, even in the New Testament with Ananias and Sapphira, yeah. even in the New Testament, Peter says, you know, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. It's not just an Old Testament situation when, when it comes to that, right? Yeah. God See, is God strike strike down Ananias and Sapphira. So the Absolutely. same God in the Old Testament as the New. Yep. And it's true. And I think it's important to remember that Jesus Christ has done something for us. Mm -hmm. When we come to God and we can present ourselves before God, I think that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, God is still holy. Yeah. And there's still some things you, you know, you have to be careful of. So that's very, right. very interesting. Yeah. And Israel had a, a special covenant relationship with God, right? And we, we are not under the Israelite covenant. We're under the covenant arbitrated by the blood of Jesus Christ, his, his crucifixion and resurrection. And, and that flows pretty naturally into what I wanted to talk about because I wanted to draw our attention to the kind of, um, unappetizing chapter that is Leviticus 15. And this is another their difference between the covenant that Israel had with God and the covenant that we have with God, meaning that it's not the same here. But what Leviticus 15 does for us is it helps us understand the holiness of God uh, and just to what extent Israel had to go uh, to facilitate and um celebrate and hold God up as holy and demonstrate his holiness in their lives for the rest of the world. At least this was the idea. So the Leviticus 15, uh, if you haven't read it yet today in your uh, assigned Bible reading, which of course is Leviticus 15 to 17, if you're reading through the Bible this year with us, which I hope you are, it's not too late to catch up if this is your first time watching. But so Leviticus 15 is talking about bodily discharges normal bodily discharges and abnormal bodily discharges and what to do about it if you were an Israelite living uh, at this time. Okay, so the reasons behind the discharge laws. I get, I get a lot of questions about this because people think, well, if, if men and women had to be cleansed from very natural, uh, you, you know, processes of their body, does this mean that those processes are inherently sinful? Well, no, no, they're not. I'm just going to go, go ahead and say it and then we'll kind of follow it up. Leviticus chapter 15 is not trying to shame humans for being human. Rather, it's distinguishing God as something other than human. He is not human. He is not normal. He is something other. He is holy. Okay, so any, the, the idea behind this is that any normal human thing 
dishonored God's presence. In order to go into God's presence, you had to uh, separate yourself from normal human life to enter God's presence. Now, there wasn't anything wrong with the human bodies and the way that they functioned. There wasn't anything inherently sinful in procreation, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, okay? Uh, now, let's go there for a second, because historically, and I think today, a lot of people put emphasis on, uh, you know, the woman's monthly cycle and how she needed cleansing from that, that it could, it would make her a ceremonially unclean. But the Bible actually places first men issues, which would discount men from service potentially even more than women and, and, and their issues. But note here that for both men and women, Leviticus doesn't say that they need to be forgiven for these natural functions. No, no, no. They need to be cleansed from these natural functions, not forgiven. It wasn't a sin. They were just human. It was just common human things. Now, up and against that, we see sicknesses, unusual discharges requiring sacrifice, both a sin uh, offering and a burnt offering. And this is likely because physical sickness was often, but not always, tied with spiritual sickness and sin. So these offerings uh, for unusual bodily discharges or sick bodily discharges, it covered all of the bases. It, it really just made everything work. But back to these common bodily functions, okay? Why? Why did men and women need cleansing from them? These are normally referred to as ceremonially cleansing. So it's, it's, you're not using soap and water and cleansing your body. It doesn't really have to do with sanitation or hygiene. It's concerned with religious cleansing, cleanliness, which is rep, it represents a spiritual state of cleanliness. And again, this was required because God's presence is not normal. It's not human is what I mean. It's not common. It's not business as usual, as usual. And Israel's life and culture was supposed to reflect this uh, for themselves and for the rest of the world. So for the nation of Israel to carry God's presence in a unique way, they literally had to live their everyday life in a different manner, both spiritually and physically. I hope that helps clear up some of the Leviticus yeah, 15 does. issues. It does, and Janice. This really leads into what I was going to be talking about, and also, Ryan, your mention of Nadab and Abihu, and also, Rod, when you mentioned Ananias and Sapphira. This whole topic of God is holy. I fear that in our Western culture, and I'm talking about the Christian culture in North America, and I can speak for North America because that's where I live, is that it seems as though we have not all, but a great number have lost their reverence for a holy God. And I believe that that is extremely dangerous. And we see here in Leviticus chapter 16, it's in God's mercy and grace that he provided the day of atonement as a sacred time in, in, the, in the days of the Israelites, in which the high priest cleansed the sanctuary and made atonement for the sins of the people. Now, there were stipulations surrounding the entrance of Aaron, who was the high priest, to that whole, into the holy place because God is holy. And he's so holy that if they would not follow these stipulations, death would come. 
We see that in mm -hmm. Nadab and Abihu. And we see that in the New Testament also with Ananias and Sapphira. Now God has provided his son, Jesus Christ. He is the atonement for sin. The blood of Christ provided for the purification of all from sin. But we need to remember that. We need to remember that the presence of God is holy. And Corey, it is, it is very important when you say that the Israelites were to represent that holiness. They were mm -hmm. to represent that difference. They were to be different than the other nations around them. They were to be that, a reflection of who God was mm -hmm. and recognizing his holiness. It's the same now. That hasn't changed. As believers in Jesus Christ, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that means that we reverence him for who he is. That is the Lord. He is the son of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. One God in three persons. And He is holy. And we have to remember that. He is not here to fulfill our desires. He is not here to follow our plans. We give ourselves for Him because He gave Himself on the cross for us and paid the penalty of our sin. And we should not forget that. We need to come in humbleness before our God who gives us forgiveness of our sins when we ask. And when we come to him, it is not, um, it is a life transforming thing. Absolutely. It's like the light switch goes on inside, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the light switch goes on. And now all of a sudden you understand you begin to understand your purpose. You begin mm -hmm. to think things differently. You begin to see things differently and your eyes become opened. You have a different kind of compassion. You literally change, but that's not because of you, mm -hmm. but that's because you have allowed the work of a holy God to come in and to begin to cleanse you from the inside out. It's not a set of rules that we adopt and we try to go by the rules. That's not what this is. That might be what religion is. That might be what tradition is. But God sets these things in his word for us that it needs to be written in our hearts so that we can live for him, live as he is holy, and he can help us to do that. Well, Spotify and iHeartRadio are great programs you can get a hold of and uh, download the podcast. 
Bible Discovery TV is a podcast daily and the weekend program is on it. And then Bible Discovery also has Beyond the Call on it. So I encourage you to get a hold of it. You'll never miss a program if you do that. Let's pray today. Lord, I love you and I thank you for healing me of all my sin. Help me to do right today. In Jesus' name, amen.